Good morning, everybody. And if you're watching the replay, maybe good afternoon or good evening for you. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua, and this is a special episode of Let's Humanize the Workplace. And um, today we'll be we'll be talking to a few experts, uh, guests of mine, who are going to talk about you know what we can do now and also what we can do after this lockdown. Uh, but before I'm going to bring them up and, and uh, start the conversation, I just want to highlight a few things. So if you think this, especially when this is, no, this is not an if, this is a valuable aspect. So share or tag people in this conversation so that they can join in this conversation. And know also that if you're joining in this conversation, I'm going to highlight you as well. And I'm going to share you as well, because this, uh, this conversation is not only about me and my guests, but it's also about you. And if you have any questions about what to do, uh, during this lockdown, but also questions about how to how to cope after this lockdown. Share them so that I can include uh, your questions and also ask them uh, ask them to our guests. Right. So the next thing that I also want to highlight is I've seen this 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 blog about people sharing that they might not want to come back to the office. A lot of people are. Uh, let's say finding the positive things about working from home, uh, like uh, less commuting, more family time, more me time, less stress. Know that you know, especially those who are introverted, I am from time to time, who really like have ha like working from home, but also having the time to to do your things at your own pace. And and the people who were you know against. The open office are also loving this. And um, that brings me also to the next topic. Are you, if you have, if your company has the opportunity to, for you to work from home, will you be working from home? Yes or no? Curious to hear uh, what my guest speakers are going to say, but I would definitely love to have that flexibility to work from home, but also work, you know, in the workplace to do whatever it is that I can do there. And um, regarding the offices, because we are now facing physical distancing. I'm not going to say social distancing because we are still we we are still able to socially connect with each other, but it's physical distancing, right? And with the physical distancing, that will also change, bring up on changes on the workplace, the physical workplace. How are people going to be? Uh, how are people going to interact? How are offices going to be built? How are staircases going to be built? How are elevators going to operate? So there's a lot of things that we have to think about. And um, do we need offices? That's also a question that I want to ask. Do we need offices? If you have a certain business where um, you can, people can operate from home, you can save a lot of money. And by saving a lot of money, also invest in your people in their workplaces so that at least they can work safely from home, uh, healthy from home and work happy from home. So I'm going to bring up the, my guest speakers of today, I'm going to introduce them one by one. And uh, Emily Firth is a talent brand expert and an inclusive culture advocate. She uses her branding skills to focus on uh, on using storytelling to improve workplace culture. Mary Jane is a stress resiliency advisor who, who is focused upon creating workspaces filled with engaged, healthy, and productive people, personnel. And Amber, last but not least, Amber Rahim is a speaker and an unconventional leadership coach, creating impact with STEM organizations and individuals. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Vivian. Will morning, you be working from home more often? Amber? Um, it might be about the same because I already work from home about 70% of the time. Mm -hmm. So my coaching work, I do virtually. I do it online. All the other stuff that I do, I do from home. But there are still some things that I do in terms of in-person training that um, I still want to do. 
Mm -hmm. um, in person. There is something that we miss when we're not physically in the same space. There's an energy mm -hmm. that gets created between people that's really important to the work that I do. And it's important to humanity. So I think it'll probably be about the same for me. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And uh, Emily? Um, well, I also mainly work from home, although I am missing going to co-working spaces occasionally for a bit of headspace because I have mm -hmm. one. So it is chaotic. Um, but I'm actually doing an interesting project at the moment because a lot of what I do is um, helping to people to translate their culture into a story about who they are. Um, so usually I would go into those environments and spend a lot of time um, inside the companies that I'm working with when I'm on a project. But at the moment, I'm doing an employer brand entirely virtually uh, with a company in the US, which is quite an interesting experiment. And actually, their culture is coming through very strongly in, in the people that I speak to. So I think it is possible to work remotely and certainly um, with companies with a strong culture, that's much easier. So I guess it's slightly different than I'm used to, but the working from home piece, um, I'm becoming used to very quickly. But that means that you don't have to travel and be away from your family uh, all the time, right? It, That's also it, a positive it, um, thing. It's definitely a benefit. Um, yeah. But sometimes I enjoy that. Is yeah. that bad? Is that bad to say? <laughs> <laughs> and Mary Jane? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm like much like Amber. Uh, I work a lot from home. And although I do have an office not far from here, it's about 12 mm -hmm. minutes away. So, and I could be there right now. Uh, but with the weather and sitting on the lake here, I don't mind being in my home office. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. So it, it, nothing much has changed for me, Vivian, in that regard. So yeah. in, I, I'm very comfortable working, working on my own and uh, in a, in a self-contained space, let's call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, for me personally, working from home was something that I already did uh, quite a while. But the, the new challenge is being a teacher, part-time mm -hmm. teacher, and also being away from friends and family and having that connection. Because when I do my workshop, I also like to um, use the energy from the people that I engage, but also interact with them in a in a in um, when you're there in the room. So I can definitely relate to everybody who is facing challenges with not being able to have that interconnectivity while you're uh, doing the Zoom calls or whatever. Um, but again, the introvert side of me is saying yes, because before, especially here in the Netherlands, it was like people wanted to meet with me face to face. And I'm just like, okay, can we do a first a virtual call instead of, you know, going, going all out uh, to the inner city? Because I live, I live in Amsterdam, but I live in the outer, outer city of Amsterdam. And it takes about one hour to get into the inner city of Amsterdam. So for me, it's a time saver and another way to connect with people as well. So. Yeah. And I, I'd like to agree with, I also, agree with what Amber was saying is that mm -hmm. in the trainings that we do, and I think we'll all, we all mm -hmm. will probably agree with this one, the dynamic that we're missing of yeah. doing online presentations is, is very different than the dynamic when you've got sure. a group of people in the same room with you. And mm -hmm. that I miss, that yeah. I miss. True. But I'm, I'm very happy that tools like this are available. Yes, definitely. And it's also much harder to read the body language, right? I go out for the body language and face language. And when you're doing a, when you're doing a workshop for plus 20 people, um, I'm not one, I don't want to see all their faces because it can also be distracting for you to do your workshop at the same time. So going to the first question, um what can organizations do to support their people and i'll start with emily <laughs> thanks uh, vivian that's a big question um i think they can do a lot um but i think at the moment organize i think organizations have sort of started in this um i guess panic mode and mm -hmm. 
logistics mode. Um, And the logistics mode stuff was getting everyone set up to technically work from home. And I think that phase is done now. And Mm -hmm. what people are seeing is that their organisations are not necessarily set up to support the mental health of individuals or to understand um, the different needs of different sectors of their community. So I think um, now organisations are realising quite quickly that it's the human aspects that they're not necessarily geared up for. Um, And I think where organisations have lent in too much to the practical, they're probably struggling now with engagement. Um, That's something that, Mm. you know, a good employer brand can help with having good uh, values and culture. Um, is obviously very helpful with, but also leaning into people like your DNI leader, if you have one, um, you know, instead of parking those projects and saying those are something for another time, actually, you need those leaders more than ever to help you understand the nuances of your different employee groups and what different people might be experiencing, whether that's from an introvert, extrovert perspective, um, whether that's your different minority groups who might be experiencing um, more impact on their communities because of the virus. And it's really those human aspects now that companies need to tap into and start planning around. I can totally agree. And Mary Jane, what can you add on this? Yeah, I don't know that whether I'm adding on to or mm-hmm. whether or not I'm just corroborating what you just shared, Emily. But one of the things that, that I really feel that organizations have to focus on sooner rather than later, and this is my area, but it's about the stress coping strategy, resiliency building techniques. People need that right now. I think Vivian, I heard you say earlier in the week that the next crisis is going to be one of stress. And if we don't start addressing it now, and that builds, I think, Emily, on what you were sharing, then I really do believe that we're going to be facing a serious serious problem in the very near future. I have to, I have to uh, definitely, you know, collaborate with Emily and and with Mary Jane regarding that. So um, the World Economic Forum mentioned that the second pandemic will be burnouts and stress. And though that um, before there were a lot of people against working towards mental well-being, especially from the workplace, but now they see and they realize that they have to do something. They have to provide toolkits. And they have to take care, better care of their people because by the end of the year, they will end up being having, you know, dealing with more sick people, more people who aren't, uh, who are, um, who aren't, you know, doing what they need to do because they are, they, they are dealing with all these mental challenges. And um, the, know that also a lot of people are you know, being being like acting like Atlas. So they are taking care of the whole family. They are taking care of others. But when the time comes that they have the time to think about themselves and to take care about themselves, then you'll see that people might be collapsing. And that's also where employers and organizations need to step up. And another thing that I want to ask is financial well-being because financial well-being and mental well-being are so connected with each other. And that's why I feel like we also need to do something about that as well. Amber. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love what you've all said. And I'm thinking like, what can I add that's a little bit different and or that supplements what you're saying? Mm -hmm. And I think my mind really goes to the point also that Emily made of we've in, companies have invested in the infrastructure that they need to be able to keep the businesses going while being mm-hmm. in existence. And yet the thing that they're not investing in is the development of the people and the, what their people need to be able to be able to work at home and stay well. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I'd say that companies definitely need to do is they need to get back on track with their investing in people, but maybe think a little bit differently about what they do, like investing in, um, resiliency programs but develop it but anything that helps the people think about and develop their skills of how do i manage uncertainty and volatility um and risk mm-hmm. without becoming a nervous wreck right because that's the other side because we can we can all do it short term but now we're going to be asking people to live a really uncertain situation for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So how do you do the marathon and nobody's trained for a marathon. We all know how to do the sprints or stress. And it's that transition to how do we deal with long-term stress that companies need to help their people with. 
Um, because like you said, the risk of burnout is so high. Um, and there's a specific group of people that companies are going to really um, have at risk. And it's their high performing, reliable people. Mm -hmm. The ones that they always turn to, the ones that have yeah. managed the stress so far really well, because you then start to rely on them even more yeah. and more and more. And that pressure to be uh, of use and efficient and always be the sensible, calm one is really high. And those are the people, it's what I call like your, your high-performing burnout people, they probably already have it and they're still performing really high and they'll crack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's something in particular that companies need to look at is spread the load because in times of uncertainty, we want to give the, the important jobs to the people that we know can do it. And they're going to have to start spreading that and go, well, you've already got a lot on. So I'm not sure if you're up to the task, but let me give you something to support you. So you're up, the t up to the task and I give the work to you. They need to spread the load. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And also, um, another thing that I wanted to add on is um, I have been seeing a lot of people dealing with the digital savviness or becoming digital savviness. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's also important to help each yeah. other become more, you know, savvy on Zoom or savvy on the virtual calls and um, and being mindful, being mindful. So coming back to your own expertise, um, what should be the highest priority. So looking at your own particular area of specialty, what is the highest priority? Mary Jane. Yeah, I, I, I believe, I think we've all named it. Mm -hmm. It is really taking care of the, the mental health, the emotional health of the employees mm -hmm. has to be addressed. So the, the, the resiliency skills and uh, Amber, just to address something back to what you said. And I believe now that in terms of workload, there's actually software developed that can do this, can monitor who's got too much on their plate. So yeah. there is something out there mm -hmm. that, that could be, could be addressed. And I don't know enough about it, but, if uh, it, if it's worthwhile, I can look into it and uh, mm -hmm. perhaps a topic, uh, Vivian, for you down the road. Yeah. But yes, it, it, we have to we have to this this need of people to understand that they have a lot more control over their emotional life than what we often think we do. But the techniques, the skills, they have to be taught mm -hmm. and learned. So those are things that I would definitely put on as a high priority. And Amber? This time. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Amber? Oh, as a given, considering my profession, I'd always say like developing people as should always be a high priority, but there's something specific about it as well. And um, the highest priority for companies, I think, needs to be the messaging from their leadership mm. and the example that their leadership set. So it's really uncertain right now. Um, and they need to speak to that. And they need to, whatever uncertainties they have, when they share it with their people, um, it actually helps. We don't want to hear everything's fine, everything's going to be okay, you know, put up the front. And not tell anything. And right? not tell anything. Yeah. And you, do, you also, like, you might not want to tell them everything's to terrify your people. And there is mm -hmm. a, a, there's, but there's quite a, broad space to play in yeah. where you can gradually start to be more open and honest and transparent about the situation even dealing with okay we don't know what it's going to look like in six months time but what we do know is that we've got really good people and we'll figure it out mm -hmm. it's a really reassuring message for your team rather than yeah we've got it under control but everybody can tell that you're kind of frantic and a little bit nervous right you know there needs to be a uh, consistency between what you're saying and the energy that you're bringing to it um, and being authentic. Um, so the transparency and the message of leadership and even going so far as to say things like moving away from that we need to maximize everything yeah. to we need to do what's enough to get the job done and to keep us well and to do well, right? That we it's we've spent a long time in business having to try and maximize output maximize productivity um but for what 
right? There is, it's a striving that takes us to an extreme where there is something really engaging and creates more productivity when you go into that space of, well, let's do what's enough because you also take out the fluff of the things you don't need. It's a very yeah. lean model to go with, well, do just enough to get the result that we need. Um, and it gives people space to think. Emily. I think what you said about leadership um, needing to speak up and be there for their people is um, very true. I think we've seen some interesting and some not so great examples of that in, in recent uh, weeks. Um, um, I'm going to ask you to maybe not name names, but maybe the direction of the in which well, uh, you, category where they're working. I'll give you a good example. So mm -hmm. um, Brian Chesky's handling of the Airbnb layoffs, I think, was a good example of how to navigate an extremely unpleasant uh, business reality in an empathetic yeah. way that also kind of instilled confidence in the business moving forward, but was yeah. very cognizant of what can we do for the outgoing people and what can we do to reassure the talent that we are retaining. And I think mm -hmm. that speaks to their culture, which is um, basically they've talked about one of belonging and he actually references the culture in his um, in his communications about the layoffs, he says, you know, this is extremely hard because we've been a culture of belonging. That's what we're founded on. Mm -hmm. um, Where will go is obviously the antithesis of that. But the way in which they did that said, you're still part of our community. You still belong. We're still going to pay your health insurance for a year. We're still going to support you with additional, uh, getting additional jobs. We're yeah. still going to keep your stock options um, open, even though they haven't vested. You know, that is an example of continuing a community and those people will either reapply, at, you know, at a future point or continue. To but not only that, they will have a positive, you know, positive feeling about Airbnb and also be talking afterwards about Airbnb in a positive way instead of those who are being fired via Zoom. No, I'm not going to speak the names, but I've heard so many terrible um Converse, I've heard so many terrible examples, especially during this time. People need empathy. People need sympathy. People need, you know, that they, that they, that the company cares about them, even though they are going to be let go. Yeah, yeah and I think that would be the the area that I think you asked which area for my area mm -hmm. of employee yeah. brand focus on, um, not just from a leadership perspective, but actually if you have established an employer brand, that's mm -hmm. not talent attraction that's not something that now goes away in fact you need that even more yeah. and that should be the red thread which you know hangs all of your actions and behaviors together so if you've said you believe in innovation in the good times now's the time to demonstrate how yeah. you're thinking innovatively to problem solve during this time if you said you're you know you're people centric and empathetic now's the time to demonstrate it both in the way you treat your existing employees and navigate you know difficult business decisions um, and in the way leadership show up so I actually think employer brands more important than ever it's just mm -hmm. taking on a more fundamental meaning um, than the gloss that you put into a recruitment campaign which it never was by the way mm -hmm. um, but it has been uh, perceived as such by by certain companies um, in the good times it's funny that you mentioned now that the, the companies have to pay attention to the way they uh, take care of the people who are leaving while before this all happened, employer brand was more focused on bringing all the people in as much as more people in, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think definitely from some perspectives, it was seen as talent attraction. The problem mm -hmm. with that has always been if you attract talent on a promise and then when they get inside your company, it's nothing like that. Yeah. Um, they very quickly leave because talent are not stupid or they find out for the, through their own research before they even join. So it's never been that black and white. There's never mm -hmm. been that perfect, clear divide. There's always been a glass um uh, division between internal and external people can see inside your company mm. it's that now that's even more true so the way you treat your people is now front page news um, especially if you're one of the larger companies or one of the companies with workers on the front line like delivery companies that the way you treat your people is now very uh, very very uh, significantly mm -hmm. um, talked about um, not that it wasn't important before but it is front page news in a way that it wasn't before True, true. And what I want to add on to this whole perspective is um, everybody's looking 
up towards the leaders. Everybody's looking up towards their managers. But I also want to say something, you know, something supportive towards the managers and the leaders that you also need help. You also need support. Mm. So find your support system so that you can work on you and you can work on leading your team. You can work on leading your company and know that you already have leaders among your, amongst your mm. team. So now's the time, just like Amber said, now's the time to divide the workload and find the leaders who can support you in leading the team. And a, a second thing that I want to emphasize, which comes hand in hand with mental well-being, is now is the time to have workplace wellness in place. Now is the time to support your people to have toolkits, um, toolkits in place to support your people because um, there are maybe single people in your in your uh, in your team, and there are maybe parents in your team who have different needs, who have different mm. aspects, but how cool would it be if they could help each other out? Uh, a great example, which I heard yesterday was uh, within a company, there are a few single people who are reading uh, for the kids of their coworkers, right? Mm. Just having that half hour reading time. They also work on their language skills. They also work on their self-development and they also find, you know, interesting ways to become a mini mentor, I, I guess, in this way yeah. for these the, for these children. So be creative, be creative in a cool way and support your people as much as you can. Yeah, I'd like to add to that, that there this is, there's also the time frame to look at for organizations is mm -hmm. to, what we're seeing now and experiencing now is there are, you never know what the next thing is going to be mm -hmm. where you need to have resiliency in your organization. You need to have your an organization that's full of really well people and full of leaders, really activate the leadership in all of your employees. Yes. And not just look at, well, what's the plaster, the, how do I, we deal with the stress now? is a really important part of it but there are phases that we also need to look at is how do i deal with stress when it turns up but mm -hmm. also for helping your organization and the individuals deal with how do i actually see stress in my life how do i create stress in my life as well because mm -hmm. things happen and then we respond to it so how are we responding to it and help them develop healthier and new habits of how they're responding to stress and anticipating and dealing with it for the long term um, so there are it's the, the programs that the toolkit has to look at short term, but also the long term as well. Yeah, it's yeah. a must. It's a must have. I've I've seen a poll on on Twitter, and I forgot to make a screenshot about it. But know that there are people out there asking questions. Does your company provide mental health care? or at least mental well-being in the workplace or have uh, people who are uh, trained to support their people or support their employees when they are dealing with mental well-being. And I know of, uh, I think, a German bank who had advisors, mental health advisors in the workplace. And it was pre, pre it was before even Corona hit. And can you imagine that this company is well aware and well-trained and well well supported? in that way set up for it yeah yeah it's set up yeah. for it yeah, yeah. definitely definitely and amber what you're what you're referring to is is all about self-awareness isn't mm -hmm. it the self-knowledge yeah. this is something that if if a company can help the individual develop those skills mm -hmm. then they're well on the way to mm -hmm. having a, a greater emotional and mental health for themselves yeah. Yeah. Really, I think it comes hand in hand with with providing, you know, having an autonomous workplace, but also um, raising more awareness and encouraging people, empowering people to bring out the best. They have so much. There are people out there that have so many hidden talent, but nobody knows and nobody is acknowledging them for them. Yeah. And, and also one thing that came up in my mind, mm -hmm. Amber, as you were sharing about leadership, and that is perhaps now that this is a time when leaders need to be looking to have external help mm. to develop the leadership skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to develop the leadership skills that they actually need, the human yeah. power skills that they need to 
to support the people. Yeah. And, and this is a, a crisis, a full-on crisis for many organizations. Yeah. I, I would imagine that not many leaders have developed or learned the skills that they need to lead well yeah. during this yeah. type of situation. And we now know this is not going to be a one-off. Yeah. These are kinds of things that are going to be happening again and again in the future. No, now I can is the time to start developing. I can definitely relate to what Mary Jane is saying. And that's why in the beginning I said it's important for leaders also to have a support system because everybody's looking towards them, but also they don't have to know it all. And in this case, yeah. you know, they need a support system as well. They need yeah. it. One of the things that I've noticed in some of the tech companies that I've worked with mm -hmm. is um, they're incredibly creative and innovative. And so when they look at the people skills side, they also set up teams internally and develop stuff because there's a lot of content out and available. Mm -hmm. And I love that, that they do it. And there's a little bit of me that's going, but I wouldn't set up me as a developer to, I wouldn't go in having never been trained in anything, mm -hmm. in any kind of programs to then be the person who comes up with the programs that we need to go with it. Right? Yeah. There needs to also be some ex external side. So I think combining, you know, consult with the experts, bring them in, help them establish skills and competencies within your organization mm -hmm. so that long term you can continue to do the self-sufficiently is great. Try and figure out on your own. It's like it's admirable, but it'll take you a long time. And there are a lot of experts in the world who have spent the years studying and training and yeah, experienced true. doing the work <laughs> that they could um, they could leverage. We have a Dutch saying: "It's like a horse with having these things up on their eyes, so that they are not distracted. And once you have an expert in." You are the horse who can see everything and, and can do things faster, you know. So it's very important that you don't do things on your own. Now is the time yeah. to invest to prevent you from losing more money and yeah. to prevent you from losing more talent, to yeah. prevent you from in uh, from paying more costs regarding sick and, and leaves mm. instead of investing. So think about that. Think about the, the return on investment instead of about how much costs we are losing or how much pe how yeah. many people are losing. Now is the time to really invest in the little things that can work towards the bigger things in the future. Yeah. Like I just invested in working with a coach on a, there was a particular question I had that I was stuck with and I'm, and I'm, I'm a trained and experienced and I know the skills, but there's a certain mm -hmm. amount, there's always something that you can't see for yourself because you're yeah. too close. So then I go in and get an expert to come and help me and be, be my consultant, be my coach for me so mm -hmm. that I can move on. Definitely. Emily, you touched on it a little bit, but what, which organizations have inspired you during this lockdown? Um, well, uh, that's an interesting question because I guess inspired from which perspective. I'm very inspired from, by the, I guess, grassroots support for the NHS in the UK. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very different um, take on a role that, um, to be fair, was one that was in massive dispute for the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, people talking about, do we still need the NHS? Should we descope uh, de the NHS? To now see what's turned into a role that has this huge power and um, this huge importance. Similarly to other key work organisations, I find that very inspiring. And that's not necessarily a top-down um, organisational movement. It's actually suddenly um, people, the public at large, uh, valuing skills that they didn't realize were fundamental to their health and happiness before. So I think that's very significant. I'd actually like to see some of the respect and value for key workers continue post this lockdown. I don't know whether that's possible because I think people are quick to forget how much mm -hmm. they relied on key services. But I do think that's very inspiring to see and hopefully it will shift the dynamic of equality of treatment and pay for workers that are not considered highly specialist or technical um, workers. So I'd love to see that continue. Um, any any organisations that, that have inspired me have been ones where the leadership 
leadership have been very transparent. There's been a lot of open communication. And actually, I've been quite inspired by stories. Um, and I, I had previously been referencing Virgin as a potential example of this. Ah! They keep flip-flopping their approach. Um, I've been quite interested to see how much of this was actually true, but initially Richard Branson was saying there was a collective discussion about how to handle a crisis and asking workers, you know, how do we solve this together? Like, if I take a pay cut, do we all take a pay cut? Do we all take some paid leave? Now, I think there have been various stories from a Virgin perspective, so I'm not going to use them as a as a beacon of hope. But I do think there have been quite a few organisations who, instead of making top-down decisions, have said, OK, let's try and navigate this collectively um, and have involved more people in the difficult decision-making process. Because I think there's always different ways to problem-solve and actually those kind of organisations that have a strong culture are able to actually involve their people in the problem solving rather than a leader sitting there thinking, right, I've got to solve this all for myself. It shows it shows why the emphasis is on working on culture, right? Like Peter Drucker says, culture eats strategy for business. And in this case, it's... Um, it's 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 bad for me to use it as a, a a business case, but it is it is it shows now. I also think um just to add one last point on that, I've been really impressed with organisations that have been able to completely shift their business model to mm -hmm. do something else. Whether that's doing something you know regarding shifting to creating PPE yeah. or sanitise or whatever, that also speaks to a very powerful culture. Yeah. If you can mobilise your workforce, because that doesn't happen just from a top down decision that happens from an entire workforce getting behind a completely new direction in a very very short space of time so the businesses that have been able to be that agile are not just tech savvy and you know set up for for change they actually have a culture where people want to contribute and go along with um you know changes in direction very quickly and that speaks to a very powerful culture of you know, collaboration and purpose definitely mary jane yeah, I, I, Emily, I, I hadn't thought of, thought about it from that perspective, but I think you're right. There, there is a lot that can be said for those organizations that have made a really quick shift. The, the one that comes to my mind, uh, I was really impressed. I heard him about a month ago, and then recently again, he was interviewed as CEO of Marriott, uh, the Marriott Hotel mm, chain. Yeah, and of course they've been they've been hit hard from uh, virtually a 95% occupancy rate to and 95% um, uh, non-occupancy rate. But he had, in the first instance, about a month ago that he was speaking to his employees. And one of the things he did, he's not taking any salary. Uh, management team is on half salary. Those kinds of things in order to keep as many people, I guess, uh, employed as possible. The other thing that I just recently heard on CNN, there was an interview with them, and I believe they're doing things like opening up their hotels to homeless people right now, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I think, yeah, they're, they're, this is showing heart. This is showing yeah. compassion. This is uh, stepping up into a place that, yeah, it, it tells me a lot about the organization when I hear something along those lines. And this is what we should be doing collectively, globally, instead of talking about if a CEO is supposed to get bonus. I'm not going to refer on anything because we all know what we are talking about. But I do feel like companies who are being subsidized um, should, by, by the government should take, you know, management level leadership. They should take some pay cut. I'm, I'm not going to say how much, but at least show that, you know, you care about the company and you want the company to survive and not only ask for uh, pay cuts from only from your employees. So in that regards, I have to highlight uh, the New Zealand minister, prime minister, because she took a pay cut and also her ministers took a pay cut to show that they care and, and, and the money goes out for those who are in need. And I wish we had such a leader uh, like the lady, uh, like the prime minister from New Zealand, but unfortunately we are in the Netherlands. Not saying that our leader isn't a leader, but I do feel like we need some female leadership here uh, to add more pizzazz, because when you look at the, the female leaders from the different countries, you see that their um, their their corona death rate is very low, 
comparing to all the other countries who are, you know, lead uh, where the leaders are men. Time to bring in diversity, people. Time <laughs> is up. Yeah, yeah. And another another thing that I want to highlight is uh, Starbucks, because they were one of the first who. Uh, share that they are going to provide their people, and not only their people, the families as well, have access to 20, I think 20 hours or 20 consults for regarding for mental health. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way to support yeah. not only the people, but the people behind the people where they care okay. for the most. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the US. I have to highlight that it was in the US. So hopefully they do it globally and hopefully this conversation can encourage them to do it globally. <laughs> Amber. Well, when I think about the organizations that inspire me the most, my mind immediately goes to the schools. Mm, um, yeah. Because the way, like I know certainly from my children's schools, within two days, we had yeah. two days notice that the schools were closing down. Within two days, they had a homeschool system set up. Yeah. And for all of the teachers to have done that, then the organization within the school system, whether it's always the case or not, they certainly did it right now, was teachers, you know how to teach. You yeah. are creative and resourceful and intelligent. And you know how to make this work. So you tell us how to do it. That is clear from the result that you get that the teachers were given the lead. So it can't have been a top-down management Mm -hmm. um, school head saying this is what you need to do because you can't create an entire schooling system in two days with a couple of people at the top. It that's has true. to come from the educators themselves. Um, so that's that's an those organisations that are, um, are inspiring me right now in because they clearly are using and appreciating um, the skills and professionalism of their employees of yeah. their teachers. That's what they're doing. And you can see it in supply chain. So all the people who are doing the deliveries and making the making the world still work and making sure that we can sit at home and order um, our supplies. So although I there are, I have mixed views about supermarkets because a lot of like, I won't talk about their pay structures for these people, mm -hmm. but in terms of the that, that logistics side of the organization to go from some people ordering online and wanting their delivery mm -hmm. sent at home to having a huge, massive increase and still be able to do it and to be able to have those people come in um, and do it. So the output that they're creating is amazing. Um, I have lots of questions about how they are, how much those people are appreciated and there's a financial stability, you know, compensation match the work let's, that let's they're doing. Let's speak on it. Let's speak on it because I've been hearing, you know, the last few days, it's all about, I'm, I mean, I read my financial times as well and I see there's a shift towards uh, the food industry, especially the food yeah. at the supermarkets who are gaining a lot from this. And yeah. I'm saying there are young people standing in front of the line helping us day in and day out there the, yeah. the, the people from logistics are also putting their you know their health at risk and i would say show show something not just a bonus but show a structure yeah. a structure yeah. something pay increases yes for these yes that's what i was looking for yeah, yeah. and organizations and, sorry i just want to add organizations no, 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 just doing add, yeah. that and where they're making sure that people you know at the lowest income levels in an organization mm. Yeah. They shouldn't be taking the pay cut because yeah. they're already at the lowest level. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you really need to be paying them probably more. And in and in logistics and supply chain in, in supermarkets, they definitely don't get paid enough. Yeah, mm. definitely. I also want to add on, and this is not related to the employers, but this is related to those who are parents and those who have children at, at school. Uh, my son is starting school next week and I am going to provide something a gift towards the teachers because i really do do emphasize with with uh with what amber is saying regarding the teachers that they made it work they yeah. made it work beyond they went to infinity yeah. and beyond and that's why i feel like i have to give them a small present and if you have any children at school and they are going back to school try to acknowledge and empower those teachers because they went from 
they they did a 180 when it comes yeah. to teaching from from uh, from home, right? Or teaching di digitally, yeah. and it shows that we in the Netherlands are ready to have that working from home, homeschooling. It's yeah. time to also provide that flexibility as well. Yeah. So the last question: What is your wish for the organizations after this lockdown? What do you want to see back? Is there a positive thing that you mm. have seen and want to have instilled in the company after this? If I can start? Yes, you can start. <laughs> trust, trust. Why do you say trust. that? The organizations have had to be forced Mm -hmm. to trust that their people are working well from home. Yeah. And I hope that this trust will continue and that the stigmatization within some organizations when someone is asking to work remotely, that that will be wiped from the table. Yeah. Um, I really think that people need to be able to make the choice. They shouldn't be forced into either never working remotely again or always working remotely. I hope companies will give people that choice and trust that they will get the job done. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's really... Yeah. <laughs> I've got an awesome card. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Emily. Yeah. I think trust is a, is a exceptional, uh, exceptional one, Mary Jane. So, um, I will try to uh, come up with something different. I'd say for me, um, I would like organisations to really uh, live this belief that you're bringing your whole self to work. Mm. That's kind of been forced on organisations. They've yeah. been forced to see people as people, as people with mental health struggles, as people with families, as people with other challenges they're experiencing day to day. And it's very hard to ignore when that's right in front of you. Um, and I think when you see people come into an office every day, you can imagine that they are purely their job. Um, so I hope that seeing people's whole selves and encouraging them to be more open about that whole self and their individual needs will continue and organizations continuing to try to address that. Amber. Nice. Oh, wonderful things that have been said. So. Um, mm -hmm. Um, what I wish for organizations um, is some patience to go through the rebound phase that's coming up. Mm -hmm. So like as, as we're allowed to go back, we pivoted really fast and a lot of us probably haven't even processed what's happened yeah. and why it's happened. So we've reacted and we've done the stuff that we needed to do to make things work. And then we're going to be allowed, you know, like, oh, you can go back to work and there's going to be a bit of a rebound not with not by everybody, but a big proportion of people back into how life was before mm -hmm. because this crisis happened and they just want to revert back. So I want organizations to have the patience to go through that rebound process and not that that's the next end state. So now we have to react and now we do this. And so they go, this is where we are now. This is where we are. But they go, okay, so this is a process that's happening so we can settle on and give ourselves the time to figure out and actually look at what works, what doesn't work. This is how we want to go going forward. It's the agile way, right? The, it's the I agile think, way. Yeah. yeah. yeah that. Because one of the things that I think is so um, fascinating right now is when, when computers were in the workplace and we had email, right? So I'm from that long time ago, right? When email first came out, it was traffic's going to disappear. People yeah. will work from home, you'll have flexibility, and none of that happened. So the technology that allowed us to do things didn't change the way that we worked. Um, and I guess this is a second wish I have is don't rely on just the technology to define how we work because now something else, and it wasn't technology, it was health. It was a virus that has moved us to work from home. Traffic has changed. Pollution has gone down. And we're actually able to work flexibly at home. So I think that's the second part of that patience wish that I have for organizations, that they can actually look at how do we actually want to work and what we, do we think is going to work, what will be good for our people and good for our clients and good for everything. What is that? Because 
the plaster has been taken off all the things that we told ourselves oh. you need to have FaceTime, otherwise you won't get promoted. You can't do effective meetings unless you're all in the office. You know, that all of those things have been shown to be not true. Yeah. It doesn't mean we all have to work from home now. So patience to figure it out and go through the rebound. I, uh, I, I love back. what everybody's shared. Sorry, Mary Jane, yes. I just wanted to say, Vivian, it goes back to something that you were talking about with the schools, mm -hmm. that pre-COVID homeschooling was an impossibility here yeah. in the Netherlands. Yeah. And within within a very short time, that's all there was. And, and I don't know to what degree of success. I really don't. I haven't followed it. I'm sure there are, it's a steep learning curve, mm -hmm. but it is possible. So that flexibility from all organizations, Amber, I think, yeah. uh, right throughout the, the, the structure, the infrastructure that we have as a country has to, has to be addressed with this patience and yeah. compassion. I also want to add on because you shared wonderful things. So I'm going to bring on another aspect because there will be a time when people are coming back to the workplace and the workplace as we know it right now, especially when you're doing physical distancing, right? Or the one and a half meter uh, yeah. distance, it will change the way we work. Open offices will be yeah. different. Uh, the environment will be different. And that's why I want to encourage a lot of people who are investing in the offices to look at the well-being of your office look at what is helping your employees to be uh, to bring up the whole cells to the workplace but also have that flexibility in there because uh, a lot of people need it we you can save on office space you can save on traveling time travel costs you can save on so many things but the things that you are saving now try to invest some of the percentage back towards your people so that they can invest in their home space, they can in their office space, um, they can invest in their own health because without your people, your organization will be nothing. So invest, give back towards your people. Thank you. There was a, there was a McKinsey report. I just want to mention this mm -hmm. and, and, and it goes back also to something that Amber mentioned in terms of leadership and leadership skills. But according to McKinsey, they said leaders demonstrating awareness, vulnerability, empathy, mm -hmm. and compassion to lead are needed in a post COVID era. So yeah. that yeah. is maybe yeah, we need something hearts. to chew on. Yeah, we need more yeah. hearts in the workplace. So I wanted to say thank you to Amber, to Emily, to Mary Jane. I really love this conversation, just like the last time. It's just like time is already up and maybe we should do a post-COVID. Hopefully we can do a post-COVID in a few months' time. But um, for those of you who are watching the replay, if you have any questions afterwards, just ask them and I'll direct them to one of the ladies and uh, um, stay safe, stay safe and stay healthy and know that you are supported during this time. Thanks, Thank Vivian. You. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to end this broadcast and say goodbye for now. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.